This message is a continuation from our previous program. It's not a time to laugh. It's supposed to be arguing. <laughs> and you suddenly, it's contagious. Because you, 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 you take that in, you think, oh, I see. I can laugh it off, can I? And of course you can. A sense of humor is a massively beneficial thing. What gives you strength? Where do you get strength from in life? Joy. Joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And how do you get a strong marriage? Joy. Get some joy into it. The joy of, of your marriage can be that. Joy in your marriage can be your strength. So keep laughing, keep smiling. He's looking, she, sorry, he, he's looking for a sense of humor. He's looking for intelligence in a wife. And that is guidance and advice. It's a very crucial role, I feel. God has given women a particular slant on wisdom that the man doesn't have. Contrary to common belief, all the decisions in our house, all we make together. I wouldn't do anything without asking Jeanette first and talking it over and, you know, reasoning together. She sees things I'll never see. And even if I want to do something, if she's not happy, let it go. Just drop it. Just don't do it. Because I'm probably missing something. Now, every now and again, I get a strong fit. I say, no, I know you don't agree, but we're still going to do this. You know? So I'm not afraid to lead. Don't be afraid to lead, men. But understand that the woman definitely has wisdom there given by God. And as a man, as a husband, you're a fool if you don't listen to that. Always stay, always listen to your wife, right? Because she will see things you'll never see. Perceive things that you'll never perceive. And you need to weigh that in the balance and know what you're going to act on and what you're not going to act on. And lastly, the men were looking for a woman that they could trust and a woman who would be honest with them. Honest about what? Honest about the past, to begin with. You're going to tell me the truth, are you? He's looking for a woman who's going to tell him the truth about her past, the truth about her present, where she is and how she is, and the truth about the future, that you're not harboring any, you know, ill feelings or, or secret plans. You need to lay down your life. So the man's aspirations are pretty good. And women, you would do very well to look at that. To take a good look at that list and see how you can fulfill the man in your marriage by meeting all of those needs. Right? Now look at the woman. Number one thing the women said they wanted was a godly man. Now I ask you girls, listen, if you're looking, for, if you're praying for a godly man, what sort of woman does a godly man deserve? Well, you better be godly then. I guess a godly man doesn't deserve a rebellious woman then. And he won't be looking for one, will he? A godly man won't you know, be looking for a carnal woman. He'll be looking for a godly woman. So therefore, if that's what you're praying for, you better be that thing. You better be concentrating on being the right person. Becoming the right person, like we said last week. She's looking for a godly man. The woman is looking for romance. Uh-oh. <laughs> Easy does it. Women get carried away on the romance thing, don't you know? Right? Very, very carried away. Let me say something, and this is an important point for the whole series. So, what's the number one thing that you need to know and to obey when it comes to choosing a partner, a husband or a wife? The number one thing is God's word, God's will. It's not love. Oh, but I don't know if I love them. 
<laughs> you can't expect me to marry them if I don't love them. Hang on a minute. About probably half the marriages in the world, people get married because, you know, and they don't fully love the partner yet. God is love, but love is not God. Love can't be your God. You're not going to marry someone because you've fallen in love with them by mistake, right? Love is not God. God is love. It's a completely different thing. So, for example, I could give you plenty of examples. My mum and dad, for a start, I said to my mum when I was a child, you fell in love with daddy then. No. What? That came later, she said. I think of two of our overseers, Shane and Susan Comiskey. They are two of the most in love people you could ever meet. But listen to their testimony. Susan's working away in the church and Shane comes and says, God has spoken to me that you are to marry me. And she says, not on your Nelly. <laughs> and she's off, no. You see, he says, okay, but God spoke to me. I don't know you, no chance. A few months go by, he comes back and says, well, have you thought about it? Yeah, but no, I'm, I'm not doing nothing. You know, not my type sort of thing. A few more months go by, Shane comes back. God spoke to me and says, you are to marry me. And she says, well, I'll seek God then. God spoke to her, said you're to marry that man, and she did, without having any feelings, any warmth, any love for him. Love is not God, is it? She obeyed God, and later they completely and utterly love one another. Right? Roy and Leela, same thing. That was an arranged marriage. They come from India. That was an arranged marriage. They'd only met each other, but a very successful marriage. The love came later. So love it, don't let love, see with the romance, the woman wants romance. Love is not your God, kid. Don't make love your God. Don't let love rule your life. Let God rule your life. And he will sort things out later. So number one is the will of God. Letting him guide you. And he, he'll, make, he'll do a good job, Amen. You'll definitely have love there in that marriage and he'll see to it because it's his responsibility when you obey him. So women particularly be careful around the romance issue. The women also said they wanted a sense of humor, you know, and goodness knows they're probably going to need it. <laughs> Fourthly, they said they want communication and communication again is, a, is, a, is, a, is an issue of weakness in men. See this, women know that. Ah, I want a man who'll talk to me. Not too much, though, you know what I mean. <laughs> I want a man who'll talk to me. A man who will communicate. And the trouble is, you see, men just shut up. They just stop so often, especially with problems. The way of dealing about it, clam up. That's not going to answer anything. You know when there's a disaster or something, like a child gets murdered or something like that? Time after time after time, the couple come on the television. They walk in, the cameras are all there. They sit down. Who talks? Every time, the husband's sitting there, go on, tell him, you tell him. <laughs> and he doesn't say a word. We're, what's that all about? See, she's able to communicate. He's struggling to get that out. He's struggling to express himself. But the woman doesn't have the same difficulty. She's built differently. The brain is different. And she's able to communicate far more readily, far more easily. But that's not going to help in a marriage, you know. So whether it's a disaster or whether it's Friday night prayer. Now, this church is not typical. We've got loads of strong men here. But in a typical church, in, in, in prayer meetings, uh, this, I'm afraid it's, it's the women who do most of the praying. And the men often sit quiet. 
and don't participate in the way they should. And experience tells me one thing. Do you know what the men need? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what they need. I know, because I was very reserved. I know you probably don't believe that. People never do. But it's true. I would be at the very back row this morning. I was coming to this church. I'd be the first one out. A very shy and reserved person, you see. And I, when God called me first into ministry, I had a word. And the word was to preach, you know. And I complained to God about that. I can't do that. I can't express. I was very unexpressive. I can't express myself. How can I do that? And of course, I didn't know about this thing, this baptism in the Holy Ghost, which enables you to communicate. Guys, do you know some of you? That's all you need. Some of you, everything else is there. It's not just for a pulpit. Hello. It's for at home to communicate love to your wife, to talk openly and freely. See, that's why they drink, by the way. That's why they all go out, all the men go out in town, <laughs> a few pints. Because the drink does what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do. It makes them love people. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you see? A few pints. Supposed to be the Holy Spirit. The drink makes them talk and talk and talk and talk, right? You see? It's, it's a substitute. It gives them lots of confidence. And there, it's a substitute. Don't go for it. You need men. You need not to be filled with alcohol. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in relationships. The guys are out drinking because they can't. They've got too many inhibitions. And they can't open up to women, but they want to. So they get drunk. You see, that's, to be, that's a sad thing. Don't get drunk. Be filled, as Acts says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And learn how to communicate. Seek God for that. You're going to need that. That's the heart and soul of a marriage, is the communication that goes on within it. The woman's looking for communication. The woman is looking for honesty. Same as the man, actually. He had it at number 10. She's got it at number 5. <laughs> The woman's looking for a provider. Fact. What is the number one reason today why young men don't get married? Money. Money. It's a fact. Statistical fact. The number one reason men don't want to get married is because they don't want the burden, the financial burden, of being married. You see? They can see the stress coming. Marriage is for adults. Marriage is for grown-ups, guys. It's not for kids. Not a child's play here. Marriage is for adults. And you need, if you're getting married and you're a guy, the woman is saying, I need a provider. And she's absolutely right. Because once you get married, if you say you're a man, you overspend, you're going to have to stop overspending. You're going to have to get that, you know, bad word, budget. You're going to have to get a budget. You're going to have to change your single ways and adapt to be the provider. And you need to be that biblically and in every other way. It's your responsibility. If you're not willing to do that, you shouldn't be getting married. And that needs to be fair. If the woman is overspending, you need to stop it because you're married now. You need to take responsibility for what you've just done. You've just got hitched and that's it. Everything changes from this point on. And men, you need to be very fair with your wives. I had a guy come to me having trouble with his marriage. And we sit down and we're talking. He's a nice guy and I'm working through it and I can't get to the bottom of this. And I've done, I, at one point I thought, I tell you what, tell me about the finances in the house. Oh, everything's fine financially. And he just carried on talking, you know. The marriage is in trouble, eh? 
tell me about the finances. Oh, everything's fine for How much do you earn? Just tell me how much you earn. And he told me the amount of money he earned. Okay. How much do you give your wife? And he started to explain. And if I remember correctly, I think he was keeping 45% for himself. And he was giving her 55% for council tax, food, children, herself. Hello? Now we've found what your problem is. Oh, well, that's fair, isn't it? It's not even 50-50. She gets more than I do. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's supposed to pay the, the bills and get the food and clothe the kids and look after herself with 55%? You must be joking. Your house is built on injustice. I'm not surprised your wife's not happy. Husband, it's your responsibility to put a smile on your wife's face. That's not a joke. Don't put the pressure on her. Don't dump on her. She should be getting about 80, 85% of that money. If you expect her to pay all the bills, any of the men want to leave, you can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not fair, is it? It's not fair. You shouldn't dump on your wife because the man is the provider. He's the primary provider. And actually, now I know all houses work differently. That's absolutely fine. You work out something that works for you. I'm just saying, guys, you know, it's not 1960 because some men give their wives money as if it were. And you need to be able to, you need to be happy with it both ways. In other words, in that situation, a good exercise to do would be to swap. I tell you what, sir, you pay the bills. You take 55% and you pay all the bills, get the kids sorted, do the food, and we'll give your wife 45 and see how you like it. <laughs> Amen? It's a serious business and you're going to get, a, you're going to have an unhappy home. Your job is to take the pressure off your wife and to provide for her and to give to her liberally. Because why? Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Never mind money, he gave his life for the church. Love works. Like we said last week, love works. She's looking for a provider. She's looking for a family man. And this is hard to get, especially today. The whole area of discipline and prayer within the home, it just falls apart so quick. And husbands, please pray with your wives. Take a time aside every day. You do it. You don't wait for her to call you. Don't wait for her to suggest it. Start today, this day. Go home and say, tonight we're going to pray. Have communion. Have communion together with your wife, with your family at home. You take the lead and you watch how she will blossom because she'll feel covered and everything will improve. I thank God for my father. He was just brilliant in this. Absolutely excellent. All my life, I would be up in my room and every night the prayer call would go out. Prayers! And there was nine of us, the big family. Everybody had to come down until you were about 16 or 17 and then you weren't required to but up until that age You would come and pray and he would pray for about 10 15 minutes every night and then you were free to go But he taught us from a young age the importance of prayer And so I have never had an issue with this all my life because it was all I ever knew And then just a natural prayer And that's really such a good example. She's looking for a family man Looking for someone who will take the lead and pray within the home. Looking for someone who will discipline the children if and when they need it. And not leave that to her. 
You need to respect one another in this area. Very important. If the husband is disciplining the child, mom, shh, quiet. You disagree? You got something to say? You can wait until the child's gone. And then you can talk about it. Don't countermand your husband in front of the kids. And vice versa. If your wife is disciplining the children and the child is trying to get you, true, to take their side, don't fall for it. You support your wife. And if you don't agree, talk about it when the children are not present. You see, that's all she's asking for. A family man who will respect her. You see what she's saying? Men, you see what the women are saying? I want a family man who will take his position but respect mine. That's all. I want a man who knows how to lead the home, how to work a budget, how to pray with us together, how to discipline the... Hey, hang on, what's the women doing here? The men doing all the work or what? <laughs> I want a man who, who will pray. I want a man who will discipline the children and not be afraid to and not dump that on me. I want him to lead. And I want to be able to be the mum in the house. Let me be that. And that's a perfectly good request. She's looking for a man who will take his position, but who will respect hers. And let her do her job and support her in it. She's looking for leadership. I tell you, I'm amazed that this is number nine. What on earth is that doing at number nine? That should be way up there somewhere. Romance, that's where it should be. Look, see? <laughs> leadership. You need leadership within the home, and we live in a day, an age, where this has been attacked like it has never been attacked before. Now, let me say, especially to those of you watching by television, I'm not taking a pot shot in what I'm about to say. I'm not taking a pot shot at the Church of England or any other traditional church at all. I have the height of respect for any Christian church on this earth, any group of people who seek to follow God. But I want to say something about male clergy and about the way men are portrayed. So, you go to a traditional church. It's Sunday. You come in, you sit down like you guys are doing this morning. And out comes a man in a, a frock, right? Because that's what they call it. It's vestments. But just think about how this appears. Extract yourself from the situation. Out comes a man dressed in a frock. He goes up into the pulpit and typically all his mannerisms are effeminate. All his ways are, it's almost like a woman. He talks with a gentle voice. He wouldn't disturb a fly. And he goes through the whole thing and his mannerisms, his actions, his tone, it's all feminized. And people sit there. One vicar said, I have a church full of old ladies of both sexes. <laughs> because that's what it's like. It's like you're preaching to a crowd and the men sitting in the crowd feel like women. Oh, you know? And they start to do all the actions of women. It's a weird scenario when you think of it. And then you get someone like Pastor Jeff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Send him in there. You get someone like Pastor Jeff who comes into a church like this and preaches and people think, what on earth is he? I've never seen that before. Yeah, because the, the clergy has been, you know, so feminized. And we don't know what men of God are anymore. And when we hear it, people walk out because they think it shouldn't be like this. No, it shouldn't be like that. Hello. Look at the men that Jesus chose. I mean, can you try, try put a frock on Paul? <laughs> Not going to get very far. Right? So we have 
a feminized leadership and men and try to and you mustn't cooperate with that sort of thing. Leadership is male, predominantly. I've got nothing with female leaders, heavens above. This church is full of female leaders and our church internationally has got thousands of female leaders. That doesn't change the fact. Leadership still remains predominantly male. It's the nature of the way God has made us. That's just a fact. I can, in fact, turn to it. Genesis chapter 3. Look at this. Genesis 3. This is a great piece of scripture. Genesis 3 and verse 16. Women, you would do very well to read this scripture and to learn what it's all about here, about leadership and being female. Genesis 3.16, to the woman he said, this is God cursing the human race for the fall, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Uh, with pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. That's Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Your, uh, with pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. Now do you see that verse? That's not what it says. In English, that's what it says. But in Hebrew, it doesn't say that. This is what it says. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. But he will rule over you. It doesn't actually say that. It's a bad translation. Your desire, woman, you need to know this, will be to rule him. Deep inside. You're going to want to rule him. You're going to want to tell him what to do. You understand what happened there about leadership being male? This is where it started. So here's Adam and Eve. Eve sinned. Eve disobeyed. And God comes to Eve and says, Right, because you have sinned, woman, from this point on, the man will rule. From this point on, I institute male leadership. Now, the church is a different issue. But within the home, the husband is the leader. And that's what God instituted there. So you are under your husband. Make no mistake about it. You're under his authority right from that statement was made. He will rule over you. But women will do very well to understand that part of the fallen nature leaves them with a little trait inside. A little rebellious trait. That if left unchecked and unbroken can cause the woman to be a rebel in her own home. True. <laughs> Proverbs says the foolish wife tears her own house down by being a rebel. So you've got to break that, and you can break it. By the way, if you break it, what God does is God gives you joy. He gives you joy in your heart. You can always tell a woman a mile away who has a rebellious, who's never dealt with this, because they're finger pointers. This is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong, and they've got no joy. Always very stern-faced, sad women, because it's, it's a sorry thing. And if you try to help, so often they, they chase you away. I know, because I understand this problem. Women can function in all manner of ways in the church, and I'm fully in favor of it. But one thing you can't work with is rebellion. You see? So when I meet women like this, you try to say, look, gal, you got to submit like everybody else. you got to break that thing in you, and you'll be far happier for it. So the w women will do well to know that fallen nature will try to make them rebellious, but that's not God's design, and you'll never prosper and your marriage, ministry, or relationships with that attitude. It's impossible. We've got to be broken. Men got to be broken too. And lastly, she's looking for faithfulness. Turn to the book of Ephesians, and I'll close with this. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. This is a great scripture, a great piece of advice from Paul, but I want to explain what it actually says, reading between the lines here. Ephesians 5, 
And verse 22 says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, verse 25, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me explain, because it's, it's very important, men. I'm going to talk to the men right now. See, when you read that scripture, it begins with this. Wives, submit to your husbands. And Paul is using a Hebrew term of writing, it's called hyperbole, where you make a statement that seems like the most important statement, only to follow it with what really is the most important statement. For example, in Proverbs, you'll read something like this. The horse is a mighty beast, but the lion is the king of the jungle. You know what I mean? So he makes a statement, but he follows it with hyperbole. He follows it with a real delivery. So, you see the point. Wives, submit to your husbands, Paul says, but he's not finished. And the crowning point, the more important point is in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. He's bringing it in with force, but again, we just can't see it because of the English. And for me, friends, the answer to everything, the key player in the marriage is the man. It's the man. It's the husband. You say, oh, hang on, that's not fair. That's the design of God. You see, here's God, and he, if he should be the head of the man. The head of the husband is Christ. And when the man is under, the, under Christ, and the wife is under him, if he receives the love of God, and he learns to minister to his wife and to cover her, do you know what he becomes? He becomes a prophet, a priest, and a king. He becomes everything that he was made by God to be. But he's got to lay down his life for it, like Christ did for the church. He's got to enter into the marriage in full knowledge that he's laying down that life. He's got to present himself there and say, Right, God, with you, as my Lord, I will serve my wife. I will love my wife. And the irony is, if you do that and you do it correctly, you become all that you're supposed to be and she will help you. Amen. That's your role as a woman. That's your role as a man. And it's perfect. It's beautiful if we just do it God's way. This list doesn't have to be yours. It's not mine. I didn't make it up. This is a list of Christians Thousands and thousands of them. And I advise you, take it home, have a think, and you need to start to know what you're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, how will you know when you find it? You need to start to know what you're looking for. And you make your own list up. You might want to change some of those numbers. I would. I Praise would God. Be... Thank you for watching today's program. I hope you have been blessed and edified by what you've seen and heard. Folks, you can see how important it is for the teaching of God's Word to get out to the nations. I want to invite you to do something very significant for your life, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. You can go to our website there where you'll find a way in which you can join up with us and partner with us to take these essential teachings, essential truths, out to the nations of the world. Thank you for watching, and God bless you.